What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Soul with C.F. Smith. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome friends, you're listening to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran, I'm your host on today's episode. Uh, thank you very much for tuning uh, in. I'm sure you're going to enjoy uh, the show that we have lined up for you today. Uh, quickly, we have um, the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the 21st century soul, jazz, funk and Latin uh, radio station, internet radio station. Uh, you could find us at www.blueingreenradio.com. Um, we have a 24-hour stream running from presenters from all across the world. So uh, we're incredibly proud of our content and our shows, and I'd like to think you guys will be too uh, if you check it out. So um, you could find uh, our... As we said, our radio stream, as well as the full list of our podcast episodes, these run in and around the radio station, primarily used as a vehicle to communicate and contact our awesome lineup of presenters from, as we said, all over the world, Japan, uh, the States, London, Australia. Uh, but we also have the luxury of um, using this time to kind of talk with other fellow music creatives and um, individuals who are uh, as fanatical about music and such uh, as I slash we are. So uh, today I'm very excited uh, to spend some time with a really uh, an incredible mind, a really great friend. His name is Dennis Jose Francois. I've mentioned him a couple of times on previous episodes as part of the Liberation Frequency podcast, of which I was a part of some years ago now. It ran for a few years. We've introduced other members of uh, that collective, uh, including TJ Sutherland and Dan Collicott. We've had them on a couple of other episodes um, thus far, which have been great. I've really enjoyed them. We uh, Most notably, though, I'd like to bring your attention to the episode, I believe episode six, where we discuss separating the art uh, from the artist and uh, it's a very timely conversation and I thought it was a good one so I'd always recommend people check that one out should they be inclined uh, today uh, as we said this is part of my build to having uh, one of these blue and green podcasts uh, sort of assemble uh, that collective again for a reunion episode but we're building to that we'll get there eventually um, there are too much lawsuits and litigation in <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, uh, But today we are talking to Dennis uh, Jose Francois, who is, uh, oh gosh, it'll be easier to list the things he isn't. He currently is a visual effects artist. He's a a writer. He's a broadcaster. He's a podcaster. He's a a chili sauce mogul. He uh, has has every credential to his name that you could possibly have. Uh, So it was really exciting. Today we discuss... Uh, music, basically how we as fans consume the music that we currently listen to. It's a very interesting conversation. I really hope you'll check it out and will enjoy it. Uh, I think it it was it was very good. We kind of go all over the place. I think it made for a great chat. Uh, for each episode that we have on these, we, have, we play two songs. The first is My Pick, which I'll get to shortly. And the second, uh, the closing song of our shows are the pick of our guest. Um, I do want to highlight Dennis's uh, today because it meant just it meant a lot that he his pick is pretty incredible um, uh, for the, the for the reasoning behind it and it, it kind of meant a lot to be able to host this this time and space and have him pick something of particular uh, importance to him. And I'm going to do the same for my selection. Um, uh, well, I won't introduce his selection any further. Please listen to the show and he, he will explain it himself. 
uh, in the show today, I uh, sort of fleetingly bring up a song by Donny Hathaway called uh, Someday We'll All Be Free. Um, I won't go into that now because, again, we discussed that in the um, in the actual show. But it's there's a 2019 version of the song by an incredible saxophonist called Brent Burkhead, whose new album has just come out. Um, it's a real stunning piece of work, and uh, I thought it was sort of appropriate to pick something from that project for this show. I'm, yeah, I'm, it's it's just a stunning piece of work because of everything that he puts into it. And um, I was very fortunate to uh, write a review, to be able to write a review of the album for um, UKVibe.org. Steve Williams, of course, um, head honcho over at UKVibe, presents on Blue and Green Radio, and um, I've started writing for them, which is just the most incredible honour. And uh, I wrote a review of my adoration for this Brent Burkhead project. Uh, And uh, the song uh, holds a sort of personal significance to me, uh, as well, and um, I thought it would be nice to uh, be able to cite this version of the song uh, for the show today. Uh, and I hope you'll uh, you'll enjoy it. It's jazz, friends, so we're going to immerse ourselves into just under that. We're a little shy of six minutes of this just stunning tune, and. Um, I do want to shout out uh, Brent Burkhead's album. It's called Burkhead, and uh, I hope you'll enjoy. So we're going to play this, and then we're going to go straight to our conversation with uh, Dennis. So uh, once again, the Blue and Green podcast runs in conjunction with blueandgreenradio.com, so we would love for you to check us out. Uh, thanks very much, friends. Hope you enjoy the show.
I've got my radio voice on now, man. So thanks for doing this. Well, you've 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 picked the topic today, so let me hand over to you, and you you can introduce it, and because uh, it's a great topic and one that we've we've spoken about quite a few times in the past. But um, why don't I let you introduce the topic that we're going to go through today? Well, I thought it would be nice to talk about the discovery of music, not you know how caveman first listened to music, as somebody <laughs> thought I meant earlier today when I mentioned it to them, but how we come across new tunes, new songs, um, new sounds in our life. Uh, and then that led me on a little bit of a strange rabbit hole where I ended up thinking about lyrics and what they mean and how we interpret them. So that's where we, that's kind of where we're at. And it's really, you know, I want to talk about our personal viewpoint on music because music is subjective. How we appreciate music and art is subjective. We know this, but I think it's even more subjective than you first realize. It's not just what you like, it's where you find it and how you interpret lyrics, which influence what you like. So uh, that's what I find quite fascinating. Okay, so to kick it off, then, how would you say? How do you currently? How do you currently digest music? How do you currently listen to it? Do you stream? Do you, um, do I, you purchase? I, do you? How does it I go? do all of it. I do all of it. I, I must admit, I don't purchase music so much anymore because I pay for streaming services. And the point of paying for streaming streaming services is so that you don't purchase music. If I look at my streaming services bill every year, it's about 150 quid. Um, huh. So, and that's that's primarily on Apple Music. Um, so, at 150 quid, you know, that's the equivalent of buying a CD a month, something like that, maybe two CDs a month. So. Um, except this way, I've just got this huge library. Uh, I know a lot of musos out there saying, nah, don't you want to own it? No, I don't. I've got enough junk in my life. I'd rather have, <laughs> I would rather have access to a massive library of music than own a select amount of music. Although I will say this, the problem with that is that you, it's a lot more of a struggle to remember the things that you like literally like when i was today i was trying to pick a tune for the end of the show i actually struggled to remember the name of the artist um just uh because you know i feel like having a physical item in your hands whether it's a book or a or, or a blu-ray or a or, or a cd helps you remember that thing because you associate a picture with it you associate a word with it etc this is just now because of streaming it's just this idea attached to the pure form of the art as a probably a really irrelevant aside, is there any reason, this is a question from someone that doesn't stream, but is there any particular reason you've gravitated towards Apple music as opposed to um, Well, first of all, I, I should be clear, I probably use all of the services. I have okay. a prime, I've got a prime music account. Um, I use Spotify. I use Apple music. Um, you know, once you've got those three, you've pretty much got any, everything. The reason... I pay for Apple Music. It's a couple of reasons. One is because I'm a little bit one foot in the Apple ecosphere, so I also, you know, read, use Apple eBooks, um, and you know that kind of thing. I've been using iTunes since version one anyway. So long before you were able to buy music from anyone else, Apple was your only option. So a large amount of my music library is already in the hands of Apple, and. Interestingly, a lot of people don't realize this, but there's an Apple Music player for Android. So I don't have an iPhone. I do have an Android phone. But because there's an Apple Music player for Android, I can listen to everything I've bought with Apple previously on my Android phone. There's this false idea that in order to use Apple Music, you have to be in bed with Apple and have an iPhone, and that's not true. So with that on board, if you then look at the size of the music collection, they have the largest or the best curated library because they've been doing it the longest um so for that reason i decided i'm going to go with apple because i'm already you know partly invested which is exactly what they want that's how they suck you in however i also have spotify um and i also have prime music because i'm a prime account user and sometimes it's stuff that you will find on one and not on the other so i'm not locked into apple music at all um so yeah that's that, that's the reason why really I didn't know that you'd find, say, different things on different other other variances quite quite big, like in terms Not of what really. you find on Spotify. Or sometimes I think it's just down to the search algorithms. That sometimes okay. it's just easier. You will find you're more likely to find something on one platform than you are on another because it's just easier to search that particular genre, or it's been catalogued a different way. Um, 
I would be surprised if there was something on Prime that wasn't on Apple. Although it wouldn't surprise me if there was something on Apple that wasn't on Spotify. One of the reasons I use Spotify is because another tool that I make use of is very much, and this this ties now into what we're talking about, is Shazam. And again, I've been a Shazam user for a really long time. I don't know if you remember back in the day when it first came out, you used to dial uh, on your mobile phone the center numbers. What is it? Eight, two, five, seven, whatever the center row of numbers is in your phone. And then you'd hold it up to a speaker for 30 seconds. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> And then about a minute later, you get a text message saying what the uh, what the track was you were listening to. Mm. And, you know, yeah. there was a time maybe around 2005, 2006, where this service first really came out, where you'd be in clubs or, and stuff. And I used, to, I used to be a club promoter and a DJ. Um, uh, and uh, you'd be in clubs and you'd just see people holding up their phones to the speakers, trying to figure out what stuff was. Um, and now, of course, you don't make a phone call. You don't get an SMS. It's just an app. Um, so which works even better because if you're offline, it can just store the track and then it'll come back to you, you know, an hour later and say, hey, we finally figured out what it is. But I digress. The reason I still use Shazam now is also because you can automatically set up a Spotify playlist with it. So okay. you, you, Shazam, you Shazam something and it automatically goes into a Spotify playlist. So I wander around, I've got, so I Shazam things. And then later on, I'm at the office, studio, whatever. And I just look at my playlist and I can start listening back to all these new tracks that I found randomly. So that's, that's the Shazam thing. Um, Prime music, I don't use so much. Um, It works quite well with the Sonos and Alexa. I don't really have an Alexa, but I do have the app plugged into my Sonos, which I have throughout the house. And Prime works very well with that. So I could remotely kick off music if I wanted to through the Alexa app. So, you know, it's different. It's different um, tools for different things. So in terms of so following off from the initial question of how do you currently listen? What do you currently listen to in as much as uh, do you kind of just let like a free shuffle just play out? Or do you actually listen to albums in whole? Do you look for uh, certain artists or do you sort of let... um, sort of the the intuitive nature of these kind of systems and services dictate it for you how do you Um, how do you go from there it it totally depends what i'm doing right so i'll a typical day my morning starts with uh a wake up with a radio station and there's like a series of radio stations that i go through in the morning right so i start off it's around 6 30 maybe 7 a.m with uh chill fm which is just like ambient like music that comes up very very quietly so i don't get woken up in a in a harsh way because that'll put me in a bad mood and then about 45 minutes in once i'm awake it just kicks into one of the commercial music stations and that's either going to be it might be a local radio station it might be radio one it might be uh beach radio from apple i actually have different ones on different days so i'm not listening to the same radio station every day what determines um, what you listen to? Is it who's on on certain days or just what you feel like on that moment? It's um, So because the alarms are programmed, I literally have a different radio station every day. I think I have Radio 1 on – I think I've got Radio 1 on Friday on Mondays and Fridays. I've got Beats Radio on Wednesdays, and I think I've got Local Radio Jackie on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then at the weekend, it's a talk station. Um, there's reasons why I do that as well, but – that goes on for about an hour. So I get news and traffic updates and music. And then around quarter to nine in the morning, it switches to Jazz FM for the last 15, 20 minutes of my morning. Once Jazz FM kicks in, I know I'm supposed to be going to work. Um, wow. <laughs> and the fact that I'm listening to jazz means I'm a little bit less angry when I leave the house. Because <laughs> so, it tends to calm me down a bit, whatever I've been doing. And I walk out of the house, I've got a bit of jazz in my head and I'm a bit calm. And that's my morning. Right. And then I'm a podcast guy for the next hour or so. And then at work, it depends on what I'm doing. If I have to get on with something creative, I'll listen to music. I try not to listen to stuff with lyrics in it at work because I tend to sing along and people think I'm mad. Um, <laughs> if I'm doing something which involves writing or numbers or something like that, again, can't listen to have lyrics going on. Um, so, you know, really just ambient tunes. If I need to get something done in a hurry, I listen to The Prodigy. Um <laughs> You know, or, or or the propeller heads, decks and drums and rock and roll, something like that. Something that's really quite, you know, kind of old school hardcore. 
Um, and yeah, and then when I get in the evening, when I get home, normally the other half is here listening to probably Rage Six, something like that. Um, weekends, we listen to Craig Charles. Um, and then in all of that, I, I play albums and we'll do playlists. And so it's a real mix for me. It's not, I don't listen to any one thing. You know, I've got tons and tons of music um, that I picked up in Clubland. One of my roles in Clubland up until about six or seven years ago is I used to have my registration, as you know, and I used to do live broadcasts of club nights, Ministry of Sound, you know, uh, uh, the Cross the Key, a lot of clubs which don't exist anymore. And I would do DJ sets and I would broadcast on my registration. Um, so I've got all of those recordings. Um, so if I need to, and there's sometimes there's seven hour sets, you know, I'd go into a club like the egg at 10 o'clock and I'd be recording until six in the morning. Um, so I can play six hours straight music, uh, you know, dance music, house, whatever in one, in one, uh, in one click, so to speak. Um, so I'm never short of things to listen to. So that's quite interesting. Cause I guess I, I imagined your, your response to the question, how do you discover new music? I imagined it was going to be through recommendations through Spotify, for example, you know, in terms of if you listen to this, you might like this. I imagine, I imagine that was going to be your immediate answer, but I, it sounds like a lot of it is based on radio. Uh, a lot of this, well, I'd say 50, I probably made it sound like I listen to more radio than I do. My other half listens to a lot of radio. Um, I wouldn't say it's recommendations necessarily. I very much will hear stuff while I'm out and about and ask, what is that? Or I'll be in a bar, I'll be in a club, and I'll listen, and I'll, I'll, I'll hear something, and I'll be like, what is that tune? And I'll seek it out, I'll shazam it, or I'll record it, or I'll you know, ask a DJ. If I'm in a club and I hear something I like, I'll go up to the DJ and ask him what he's playing. Um, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite variant. And as for the recommendations things, sometimes, um, if I discover a new artist accidentally or otherwise, then I'll very much go down to recommendations. Or if you like this, you might like this track, track of this. Mm. Um, and then I'll go down that road. Uh, I don't really look at what other people are listening to too much. Like, you know, like on Spotify or Apple Music, your friends are listening to this, this, that, and the other. Don't necessarily listen uh, to those. I I have so much music at my fingertips, I'm not short of tunes. So really, it's based on mood, I think, and what I'm doing. So, you know, I'm working on something. I want to listen to this kind of music. You know, I'm feeling this way, then I'll listen to this kind of music. And very often, I'll just find a radio station that will play that. No, I see. I, I find the... um sort of the intuitive nature of these systems quite well not specifically the uh, streaming systems I, although i imagine it's very very good but like for me like i'll buy i'm a hard copy guy still i so i'll buy the cd of anything i can um but so if i were to shop through amazon you know for me to get like a an email from them saying amazon recommendations to me that isn't a junk email Right. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I I will look at it because quite often I'll, I'll either say, oh, I've got that, I've got that, got that, or oh, I don't want that, but they'll be relevant. Do you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. so I tend to find that the sort of the intuitive nature of other people have bought this, but actually quite good. And there, 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 there so, have been so times. It, interestingly, I don't get those emails. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get those. I have no idea what you're talking about. They're not. They're not offering me stuff. They're, they're, oh, not, okay. they're, they're not telling me. They're not telling me to listen to stuff. <laughs> so maybe if they sent me those mails, I would listen to them. Um, uh, I do. I wouldn't say I ignore stuff like that when it shows up, but it. I don't know if it's as strong as influencer as it is other people. So to prepare for this little chat, I actually this evening talked to a load of people about um, how they how they discover new music. Um, I was out after work uh, just this evening. Um, there were about maybe 10, 15 people there. And I asked all of them, you know, how do you discover new music? And all of the people I was speaking to were aged between 20 and 30. Um, okay. I would say that 90%, like most of them said Spotify. Oh, wow. I was surprised. Only one person out of that, no, sorry, two people out of the, say, 12, 15, 13 people I've listened, spoke to, said they listened to radio. 
Um, one person listened to Apple Music because, and that's because she said she used to work at Apple, so she still got a free account. <laughs> so, so I'm sure that was driven by money. But Spotify was by far the um, biggest, the most popular um, group. Now, nearly all of those people were European nationals, and like I said, they were all aged between 20 and 30. So maybe that's there's maybe there's a demographic there. That's very specific. Um, Did they give you any specific reasons? No, no, they didn't. Um, uh, Quite a few of them said that they did get recommendations from their friend. But when I asked how often were those recommendations right, they would normally say five out of 10, 50%, 60%. That is interesting, isn't it? I must admit, I was a bit surprised at how popular Spotify was. It was probably more popular than I thought um, it would be. In, but maybe, again, I, I don't know if that's a specific demographic or that I was talking to or, you know. I think it's, I, in, uh, to be honest, I mean, thinking about it, I don't think I'm surprised because I, I, I the vast majority of people, well, actually, that's not true. I, I, don't, I don't know where people sort of fall cat- category-wise because I guess the most people I know in terms of music, they're actually DJs. So they would buy. They're not going to live off Spotify. They're going to be vinyl junkies and hard copy guys or mp3 you know uh collectors so in that respect they certainly wouldn't be um spotify you know people that get their music from from a streaming service but i'm actually not surprised i guess that in terms of the people that you've asked that they go for spotify but i think i'm kind of intrigued as to what specifically is the nature of it do you know what i mean Mm what takes it is it just the the just the sheer ease of having everything there at such a minimal cost or, or free completely. Quite yeah. a few of them said they just use the free surface and they live with the ads. But even that, so because because uh, my wife has, she started Spotify a couple of months ago, and but she uses the free service. But mm. I mean, even that, it's like you're limited on the amount of skips you can do. You can't just pick your. Do you know what I mean? So you're talking about background music fans. <laughs> yeah, but I, mean? I guess I guess a lot of it, especially in particularly because you know nearly all pretty much all the people I spoke to were work colleagues or former work colleagues and we work in studios visual effects and you know film studios where we can sit around with headphones on all day so if you're sitting around with headphones all day and you're doing something else having the odd advert show up Mm, uh, doesn't really matter you know in fact when you think about it listening to a random playlist with adverts on Spotify is actually no different from listening to a radio station except you don't have a DJ DJ talking right yeah so there's no i found it interesting that they found the notion of over-the-ear radio uh almost novel but those that said they did listen to over over the radio said they mostly did it for news or they did it in their own languages so they would get like spanish radio or italian radio so that's why i wonder if maybe it was a particular demographic um i.e non-english resident living in the uk and therefore they can't listen to their own language dj so therefore they will just listen to music and cut the dj out completely one one thing i would say about that and you know we're just talking like djs and radio stations now that you might have more intimate better stats on this is that when i used to run my internet radio station which admittedly was something like 15 years ago and internet radio wasn't very common um i there was a definite fall off if i didn't speak as a dj which i found quite interesting i thought people would want to just hear music but they didn't yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I've encountered sort of both sides of that in terms of I I, I think sometimes too much talking puts people off um, on, on certain from, from sort of stuff that I'd read that sometimes people would just like stop talking and they just want to yeah. hear the music and then other otherwise it's as you say people want. I mean, for me personally, I I prefer like a you know if I'm listening to a radio show and it's a mix only radio show, I'm not going to gravitate towards that as much as I am someone presenting it you know, personality, it's because right. it's radio. I think personality is really steeped in in radio or the other way around. And I, I think that's what you can click to more so than music. Sometimes it's someone's personality. Mm. But, I, but it also does, I think, depend on the listening environment as well as to whether or not you want to hear a voice talking you through th- something at that time. So, for instance, if you were working and focusing on something else, you might not care about having the voice there. But if you were sort of in a room entertaining guests, having dinner, 
you might not want that voice popping in all the time. You might, might want to just hear the music. It is funny, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm. It's interesting how it goes. So in your quest for the discovery of new music, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you sort of said like, okay, you listen to radio, etc. But I mean, if you were to right now to say, I want something new or something I haven't, you know, something I, I've not heard for a long time, or I've not sort of a, a sound I've not been able to, you know, f- stumble upon. How? What, what's your quest for discovering that? So, all right. So one of the things I've started doing more recently is, for instance, looking at on either Apple Music or Amazon, and I, I, I sometimes I do this on Spotify as well, is I'll go through a particular genre. So let's say I want to find some ambient music, just some background music and stuff, or... I am want to hear some, I don't know, garage. I'll find that genre on Apple Music or, um, or or Prime and listen to one of their curated, or maybe not even, or even random playlists. And they, then I'm guaranteed to hear tracks I've probably never heard before. So you don't actively seek, I'm not really sure how to phrase this one. I mean, okay, for me, for example, I'm as as you know, I'm a hard copy guy. So I'm I'm also like I'm always in the production credits mm-hmm. of of you know any album I'll get, I'll go through that and I'll see who played what on right. on each track, and you know, and then you you do it so often that you're kind of like, oh, he played trumpet on so and so. Do you know what I mean? And that's how you start to to learn names and and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then you go, you take that info. For me, I'll take that info to Discogs. And uh, I'll type in those names, and then it, it, Discogs is incredible for finding new music. Yes, and it is, sort of, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it will just give you a list of everything that it has logged on uh, for those people. So if you want to know who played bass on uh, how many other tracks, like Pino Palladino, obviously legendary bassist, you know, if, it will give you a list chronologically of 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 records that he's played on for mm. other people and then you kind of oh i don't know that one and then you'll click on it and you've, you're discovering new music like that so for me that's the process well there are several processes obviously i'll follow record labels as well and um, but if i want something just kind of brand new but i know i'm attaching a sound to an artist then i'll look for that artist and see what they've done for other people or if they're so- a vocalist so I wouldn't say I'd do it quite at that level where, I, you know, I like the sound of the of, of the horns in this track. So I want to find out who played them and see what else they did. Mm. Um, but I will chase down if I've heard, if I, for instance, this most often happens if I hear a track somewhere and I'm like, who's this? And it's like, this happened recently to correspondence. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I went and hunted down the uh, more stuff from their library. You know, um, and I would start listening to different tracks from the same artists, and then you right. end up in then you end up in the rabbit hole, you yes. know, and then you start going down this interesting path. Um, but I, I don't do that too often. I don't do that too often. Be, I, I think because I've got enough other sources of new music. I'm not short of new music because I listen to a fair amount of radio. Um, I think one of the things about listening to the radio is you don't get a choice other than changing the station. Um, mm you don't get a choice about what you're hearing. So that is a great way to discover new music. And that normally does it for me. And then I'll hear something by an artist and I'm like, Oh, who's this? And then I'll track that. I'll chase that down. Um, but I, I, again, like I said, I don't know if I chase it down too specifically. Does the, the sort of the nature in terms of the people that you asked, I don't know if the, the conversation that you had, was it just a matter of how do you consume music full stop or, you know, the idea of purchasing music, to them was that just like oh god no like uh, it's just not something at all that they'd consider or um it was more about how you find new music i was very specific about it um and i didn't ask whether they bought stuff but i i do think that's almost a pointless question now um for that again for that same age group i don't Mm. I, i genuinely don't think they spend that much money on buying music do you know what's really funny is that like it just seems if you say to someone, you know, if you go through the range of options, so like I stream, people are like, yep, cool, that makes sense. If you say to someone, you're a, like a vinyl junkie, they say, oh, yeah, I respect that. That's fine. Mm. Yeah, I totally understand that one. If you say you illegally download, for example, there people are like, yep, you know, why pay for it? Sure. If you say you buy CDs, that is the bottom of the pile for respect. Like, <laughs> nobody appreciates that shiny round disc anymore. And that's really bizarre. Like, I find it so weird. Do you know that what the problem you- is? 
The problem no. isn't the shiny round disc. The problem isn't the shiny round disc. It's the hunking <laughs> great piece of hardware that you need to play it. That's the problem. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. CDs are just not as portable, even as, as tape, as tape uh, you know, audio tape was. You know, tape cassettes were more portable than CDs were. Yeah, did but you ever have a did you ever have a CD Walkman? I did. Useless. It was Absolutely pretty bad. Useless. The worst but, bit was when you have to commute to work in the summer and you haven't got a jacket, so you have to literally hold it. <laughs> not, not just that, they would just skip left, oh, yeah, right, yeah, and yeah. center. Just skip, yeah. skip, skip. So actually not that good as a portable music player at all. The the, the discs were bigger. When you think about the size of a CD in its in its um in its case, it's actually kind of bulkier than a tape cassette and a lot more fragile really tape cassettes you know the the audio quality deteriorated a lot but you could give them a hard time and they'd keep going you can't give a cd a hard time which is interesting because when cds first came out in the 80s i remember the guy on tomorrow's world dropping it in a frying pan or something like that and showing how indestructible they were and we <laughs> we all know that that's nonsense do you know what i mean that's right you know do you remember the urban myth about, I don't know if it was an urban myth actually, but they, they said if you put the CD in your freezer, it enhances the the sound quality when you play it. That's Did you not, hear that? That's, non, that's nonsense, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, that's not nonsense. I'll tell you one little known fact about CDs actually, that when CDs get scratched, it's the other side that is the problem. Most people think that it's the side which has, uh, there's, you've got the side of the print, right? And then you've got the other side, and that's the side that you put face down, right? Yeah. And people think that if that side gets damaged, that's where your problem is going to be, right? Is it not? But it's not. It's the other side because the other side is a coating which reflects back the laser. And if that coating gets damaged, the laser doesn't reflect properly. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. I only know that because a long-time old friend of mine worked at a company that, that worked at the company that spun off from Philips that invented CD players, and he worked at the place where they made the Glass Masters um, that print most of you know uh, high-quality CDs. And he used to come to my house, and if I left the CD out, he would turn it over and oh, tell wow. me, "No, you're going to scratch the wrong side." That's the only reason I know that. That was Rick. Big up, Rick. Hi, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> that's really i didn't know that that's really cool but yeah. in terms of the, the portable nature of a cd why is yeah. vinyl so adored and respected regardless if someone yeah. buys it or not nostalgia i know but even if someone doesn't buy it if you tell someone you're a vinyl head they're kind of like oh yeah like oh yeah i totally respect that that's cool i, I, I guess because you've got this, it's such a lot of hard work yes okay it, th- that's why i think anyone who's prepared to go to those lengths to listen to music, they must be really into that music. Right. You know? So that that's why you get the respect, I think. Um, and there's a bit of a myth around it. I mean, I'm a vinyl. I mean, you, the conversation we've had so far has made it sound that I'm not a vinyl person. I guess I am. I don't, I have quite a lot of vinyl. I don't have an active, like, uh, player anywhere right now, but I've still got my vinyl. It's all locked away nice and safely. And I imagine one day I'll, uh, at some point, uh, get it all out and listen to it. You know, I've not I've not got rid of it. I got rid of loads of CDs, but I'd never get rid of my vinyl. Mm. So, which is an interesting thing, isn't it? Why Why would that be? I don't, well, yeah, I don't know. That's, a, yeah. I knew, I knew, uh, I used to work with a, with a lady who would, um, she, you know, she, she was, she liked music, um, and she would she would buy things whenever you know she saw something available like whether it was charity shop or whatever she's like oh i like this she would buy the cd throw the casing away and put like you know the big cd travel wallets and she'd put mm-hmm. the cd in there just to save space and i used to be horrified horrified at her just throwing away the because the you, you place attachment on the entire artifact and the yes. experience yes right? that's that's a great uh, point yeah for you opening it up and taking it out and you've got the sleeve and what it means and the inside story and the credits and the all of those things that's important to you right yes but to other people it's not important they just want to hear the music and i guess i'm in that second camp i thought i was in the first camp and at one time i would possess a lot of things not just cds dvds blu-rays books whatever and what i've realized is actually i don't really care about having the things themselves physical in fact you get to a certain point in your life where you've got so much stuff 
you're like, why have I got all this stuff? You know, I don't want it. I just want, you know, the experience of it. So, so I've switched over recently to digital comics and to digital books and streaming services. And you know what? I'm just as fulfilled and happy in my media life as I was before. I think part of it comes down to the the person as well. Like, you know, the kind of person who... See, for me, I, I would never define myself as a collector. Um, I, I can fully acknowledge I'm, I'm an obsessive in as much as... You know, I could be sent an MP3 of an album or a, the MP3 files of an album and say, wow, that's a great album. But while most people would be able to say, hey, cool, I've got a free album. For me, if I like, if I really like it, I'm going to go and buy the CD, even though I've been sent it for free. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of, it's, it's down to, and it's, there is this, um, uh, this, this really fantastic, documentary um i can't remember alan uh zweig i think his name is it's it's it is available on youtube uh to to watch it's just under two hours and it's quite old i think it might have been recorded in the 90s and it's uh it's called vinyl and it's basically him as a vinyl uh collector interviewing uh other vinyl collectors and it is genuinely it is fascinating getting into sort of the mindset of a collector because it's it's this collecting for the sake of collecting because they're obsessed with collecting some of them aren't necessarily even music fans it's just like it's 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 captured whatever part of that obsessive nature they have and they've they've just run with it they he interviewed this one guy whose goal was to get was to get every a copy of every record ever made right and the guys that the interview was sort of like, but you understand that that's just impossible. And he said, yeah, but I can't stop. And he would have things from like Turkish music, um, uh, Moroccan music, uh, you know, Indian music. You know, he it was just it was a vinyl he didn't own. So he he just had to do it. He had to buy it, you know, and it's sort of and I'm nowhere near that. But I, I feel like I could be. <laughs> well, know, I, it, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's obsession collection. Uh, you could argue I might have been like that once about comics, mm-hmm. um, where I obsessively bought. I mean, I still have a pile of comics next to my bed, uh, which I haven't read, and yet I'll go past a comic shop and still buy another one. I banned myself from going into comic shops. <laughs> what, like, you'll buy the same. Oh, sorry, not the same no, one. It's no, I'll buy, I'll buy stuff, and I haven't read the stuff that oh, I've had. I you know, I bought stuff I bought two years ago that I haven't read. Yet I still buy new stuff. Oh, wow. Um, because, and yeah, that's that's an obsession. And I've got also apps and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, everybody has that in some way. I have a, a friend, a colleague I work with, who obsessively buys movies on DVD. And he was saying to me just today that he's they've got a backlog of 150 movies to watch. And oh uh, some of them, some of them go back that they bought four or five years ago. And my thoughts are, if you're not going to buy it straight away, why not just buy it later? You know, you buy a film. And you don't listen to it, you don't watch it, but then I'm exactly the same as that with comics. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. So he, even though, so like it's just come out and he's like, I have to get it as it's just literally come out. No, he, he will he will buy stuff like, you know, something that has been out four or five years ago that he didn't see in the cinema. Oh, I see. And he'll right. see it and he'll buy it and put it on the shelf, but then still not watch it for years or for months or um you know, you have any conversation with him about film and he'll say, oh, I, have, I haven't watched it yet. I've got it, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, really yeah, and interesting, and yeah, it is interesting, and interesting, and even more interesting is that he absolutely flatly refuses to buy into any streaming services, which is funny because then you probably save yourself a ton of money on, on, on watching those videos. But, um, you know, so again, I probably exhibit similar behavior where comics are concerned and you exhibit similar behavior where music's concerned. Music is more immediately consumable, though. That's one thing about music is you can buy music and listen to it while you're doing something else. You can't really do that with film and books. So it's easy to have a big music collection because you can even, you know, sometimes we put on music at night before going to sleep and I wake up in the morning. And it's still going because I've, I've picked a six hour playlist. You know, um, you can just have it on all the time. Well, I was gonna. What I was gonna say is that this led me to my second point. So, right, because um, you wanted me to pick a tune. 
Yes, our, our guest so, always picks the closing number on the on each show. So I did, I and I ended up doing this. I went on my own little journey of music because I've got a very wide, I would say, a very eclectic taste in music. And I, if you tried to pin down what kind of music I like, it's it's impossible for me to say. Uh, it's absolutely impossible. And I think I surprise people sometimes when they like when if you know. Uh, if they were to take my headphones off and listen to what's going on in my head. If you saw me and then listened to what I was listening to, I don't think the two would necessarily connect. Um, so, um, so um, and, you know, why is that? And that led me to think, well, part of that is to do with the way you discover music. It's the way I discover music. So whether I like music or not is partly attached to how I first heard it or what I associate it with. Um, and I don't know how true that is for everybody, but we recently had um, we recently had a party at work. So we finished the production, so we were having a rap party, as in W R A P, not R A P. And we were asked to pick out tunes and stuff that we want to hear. And um, I picked out music that reminded me of the production, like things that, that I associated with the last two or three years on this project that we've been working on, rather than tunes I specifically like there weren't stuff I didn't like but they were just things that when I think back to the work I've done what was you know what what were the popular tunes of the time you know that we were listening to in the office you know or where we go to the pub after work you know and I've got I realized I had strong associations with certain tunes and the project I've been working on and then that's true of quite a lot of things I have you know I listen to a piece of music and normally if I shut my eyes it will take me to a place um, or a time and that's my association with it. And that defines very much whether I like the track or not, I think. Well, this, that's it's a really interesting point because that um, it's kind of veering off into a, uh, a previous show that uh, we did for this podcast series with Dan and TJ, where we talked about separating the art from the artist and why it's sort of okay, why some people are able to, to do that. And I think that was, that was, base, that was one of the, the biggest reasons um, in terms of people associate, so we won't go into naming names, but we can people can associate a song by a certain artist who may be whose music, uh, well, whose character may be called into disrepute some twenty years later. Um, but you you listen to that song and you're not thinking of that artist. You're thinking of the time that you had, like at university, or you had the time at, with your friends, or on a road trip in the summer. Do you know what I mean? It's those songs that. Are, yeah, are, right. are specifically relevant to you and and your uh, nost- your nostalgia, your growing up, as opposed to what that artist represents in 2019. Do right. you know what I mean? So it's it's difficult. That's true. To... Of so, it's true of so many artists, isn't it? There's yeah, so yeah. many artists that, and not just music. Um, you know, I, I guess it depends on where you draw moral lines and what they're accused of. There are some people who, for instance, would find just the mere act of drug taking um you know enough to be you know that's 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 already uh, a certain place on the moral com- compass where they won't go right then right. there are other people you know where it's like you know smashing up hotel rooms and then it's um you know sexual conduct and etc cetera, etc cetera. and everybody's got their sort of meter where they'll draw a line but very often they'll happily overlook that if they like a tune you know yeah. I, I, I know lots of people, for instance, who, you know, who would really balk at the idea of taking drugs and, you know, that kind of hardcore parting, which is associated with a lot of music. But they'll quite happily listen to music by people who are very well known for their raucous behavior. And they just won't even make an association between the two. I always think back to about, it must be about 20 years ago, we were driving uh, I'd been over, I was living overseas and I'd been to visit the UK. I was with my girlfriend um, at the time and a, another person I worked with, was we, we were all over here together and we were being driven to the airport by a friend of mine and uh, my girlfriend at the time was German and the, my assistant from work was Dutch um, and we were in this uh, convertible BMW driving through uh, Hounslow and my friend put on Ludacris on the on on the track and turn the speakers up and it was southern hospitality right right and um, that's quite i would say it's the most explicit lyrics in the world but there's some pretty sure. strong, you know and uh 
my girlfriend and my assistant in the back were just nodding along to it, right? Um, and they, they were really into it. And my friend who was driving was laughing his head off because he knew that they didn't. He was. He knew that they weren't really listening to the lyrics. Um, and, but they loved the tune, and they were like, "Oh man, this music's so great!" And uh, it made me realize at that moment in time that people just don't listen to lyrics necessarily. Yeah. Right. And because if they did. They put, there's a lot of tracks that they would reconsider as to whether they liked them or not, yeah. what they meant, you know. They might, and it works both ways. There might be tunes that they thought they didn't like, and they listen to the lyrics, and they'd be like, "Oh, actually, this is really clever. I like it." You well, know? yeah, it's yeah, it's funny because I actually read recently to sort of take it in a different direction. Uh, I read really recently about uh, Donny Hathaway's, um, like his seminal track of someday we'll all be free and how it was sort of a few years after its release it was a song that was really adopted by the civil rights movement and they take mm-hmm. it as you know it's it's become anthemic in that nature and i think people hear it now and think it's a song that's about that but it isn't it's just the the, the person who wrote it uh, forgive me for uh forgetting his name at the moment but it's the person that wrote it actually wrote it for that da- for donny hathaway who had been diagnosed with schizophrenia so he wrote that song for donny hathaway in terms of he was going through obviously mental hell and anguish Mm -hmm. and he wrote this song of someday we'll be free for him and his illness but it's not a song that's associated with that at all now interesting yeah Um, so it goes in other ways as well so my my choice of track um yes this this is the longest build-up for a song ever yeah my choice of track is James Blake retrograde um and one of the reasons I've chosen this track is because when I hear it it just puts me in a certain place in my head to do with uh some personal stuff that happens with my family to me I don't know what the lyrics are actually about but when I listen to the lyrics of the song they make me think about some of the mental health issues we have in my family that are associated with, with particular people who are actually quite alone in the world for most of the time. And um, it makes me think of them. It makes me think of what it must be like to be alone or to be left alone and abandoned by your friends. Um, and it, it's quite, it's quite sad to be honest. Um, and I just can't get that. I've associated this track with that situation in my life partly through the fact that it was i probably heard it a lot at the time while we were going through some stuff i've turned the lyrics into meaning that i don't know if that's what they're actually meant to be about right um you could certainly read them that way but now that's my association with the track and i just thought it was an interesting example i realized when i was thinking about it i've you know i've I've listened to that track a lot recently and i've put an association i put a meaning into the track which might not actually be what it's about um, and I wonder how often we do that. How often do we create our own version of something that suits our purposes? And that's why we like it. But that's not what the author of the of, of the piece of art intended at all. But that's yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful explanation. I'm 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 moved and honoured that you would pick a a song of such personal value. So I'm 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 excited to play it. Um, but I don't know. I, I I guess to answer the question, I mean, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of. I mean, I imagine that they'd be proud of the fact that it instills different things in different people, wouldn't they? You would. Uh, you would like to think so. Although there are some auteurs and creators who get upset when their creations are are misappropriated and this happens in all media it happens in you know film and books and comics and they don't want their stuff to be something else you know some of the greatest creators of our time are just you know um, like very recently it's a different area completely but um george rr martin for instance literally sticks his finger up to fan fiction and fan theories about his work um uh alan moore made it very clear that he didn't think anyone should do anything with the watchman idea or storyline beyond what he, he and dave gibbons had originally written and um you were just disrespecting yourself if and and his work if you tried to add more to it so do you know what i mean not everybody believes that 
you know, you can put new meaning into something. They want you to see what they actually wrote. You well, know, they want you to see what they actually painted or whatever it was. Well, this is actually a great podcast topic for us, perhaps for for another one, because, uh, you know, I, I mean, the sort of the ownership of art. I mean, once you've put it out there, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? It is open to interpretation, whether people want it to be or not. And, you know, in terms of to, 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 I appreciate there is ownership to an extent uh, as the creator, but to, to be able to prevent it from going forward and it being interpreted in other ways with other ideas and, and things like that, it's, that's, that's questionable as well though, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But I think the world we live in right now is that we have maybe a false sense of ownership of stuff. Because yes. we've all been given, because we've all been given voices, or we've been given the opportunity to make ourselves heard, primarily through the internet, whether you interact with the internet through a browser or through an app or some other means, or through a podcast, for instance, for example, what we're doing right now. Mm. Um, you know, literally fifteen years ago, we would not have, you know, we'd be able to do this right um, and reach as many people as we can. Um, because of that, along with that has come a sense, I feel, of ownership and entitlement to certain things, which might be a bit skewed, really. Yeah, I think this is the generation where opinion became fact. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think that's kind of one of the things, that, as you say, due to, I think, the rise of social media and that one person, as soon as you've written something on Twitter, then it's something that requires addressing in some context, you know, which is clueless to me i have no idea how we got to that point but it was almost like the power of the written word that it became somewhat official and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be answered for and okay I, can i just say it's not the power of the written word it's the power of the written headline oh yes very good <laughs> because people don't read full articles anymore they read headlines. You know, I think most of us, we will look at our app, our news app, our whatever it is, how we get our news. And what we're really doing is we scan the headlines. Even if we go to like the BBC or something, we look down the page, scan the headlines, maybe read a subtitle, and then we know what's going on. And we don't actually even read the stories. We might watch a video if there is one. Yeah. And then in conversation later, you'll you know someone will mention something oh did you hear about blah 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 that happened here and everyone will go oh yeah yeah, yeah that, that that thing that happened and that's it that's our interpretation of what's going on in the world you know and then the rest of it is other people's opinions not the actual news story itself yeah, yeah. how on earth did we end up in a world where primetime television is us watching people watch television and making comments <laughs> you know why you know why well, you think about how crazy that is. You know, you, you, you've got a TV, you pay for programming, you pay a license fee to watch other people give opinion on telly. Mm. That, that, that's, that's the weirdest kind of voyeurism ever. That's, that's almost like, what's it, art eating itself or something. I don't know. It's, it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> it, it's, it's bizarre. I don't get it. And I, and I do think, it actually, I actually blame Beavis and Butthead for this. Oh, I see. Very good. Yeah. Because that's basically what Beavis and Butthead was. And I tell you what, when that first came out, I didn't get it. It used to be on, I lived in Europe at the time. I, I watched a lot of MTV, or, or rather we had a lot of MTV in the background, and that was on quite often. And I'd be like, what the hell is this crazy stuff? This is madness, right? This is stupid. And then one day I was sitting there sort of not paying attention, and they said something, and I got it. You know, it made me laugh. And it's like that with anything, like especially with comedy or cartoons or anything like that is concerned. Once you get it, you see the whole thing completely differently. Yeah. That's basically what they did. That that cartoon with these two cartoon idiots giving comments on videos they were watching on TV. And they were basically sounding out probably exactly what we do or what we did back then, watching MTV, watching music videos and comment on the way people were dressed and the type of music and stuff like that. That is basically what programs like Gogglebox are now. You've you've enjoyed yourself clearly. Yeah. Assuming that you haven't had a listener drop off, which is a disaster, <laughs> which could well be given some of the nonsense that I've been spouting. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. No, I think this is going to go well. I think it's been great. I've enjoyed your company as always, and your insights. And um, no, I greatly appreciate it, dude. Can I can I do a shout out to uh, Marta and Anna because uh, they um, were the first people I asked today about their music choices and they were very forthcoming 
with uh, uh, with what they were listening to. Very cool. I appreciate their input as well then. Well, till next time, buddy. Thank you very much. James Blake to take us home. Okay, great. Thank you, Imran. It's been a pleasure, man. Bye. Bye. Show me where you fit.